Greetings and welcome to Polson Foursquare Church. My name is Pastor Greg Perkins and I'm happy that you've joined us today. This year of 2023, our focus is Together on Mission. In our teaching throughout this year, we will talk much about how we are all called to be a missional church and a missional people. Colossians 4, 2 through 6 are our theme verses that speak about being a people of prayer and of preparedness and how we are to go out and be witnesses to those around us in our everyday life. So today as we study God's word together, I pray the Holy Spirit will speak to you through these messages and pray that you'll be blessed by our podcast teachings and that you'll be edified and enriched in God's word. Thank you and may God bless you all. If you want to have some coffee or tea or hot chocolate, if you have a Bible, you want to turn to Romans chapter 13. We've been going through Romans for a while now. Uh, and this is a subject. Near and dear to all of us, I think. <laughs> I'm calling my message undercover. Uh, and as we read this passage, it's one thing that uh, we all need to understand more about, and that is authority figures in our life. Um, and what God says about that. If you need a Bible, we have lots of Bibles in the seats. You can grab one of those if you want to use one of those. But this is important for all of us, really, to, to know. Today's subject on submission to authorities, it's one thing that we all need to understand more about and do, especially in a world of increasing lawlessness and rebellion the Bible instructs us to pray for those who are in authority. It says that in 2 Timothy, or 1 Timothy rather, chapter 2, verses 1 through 2, that we need to pray for those that are in authority. And we all need to submit to governing authorities and laws that it may go well with us. So um, this is one subject that is not always easy to talk about but one that uh, we need to obviously do and, and know what they... Uh... Last week I was going to preach this, but the Holy Spirit had other plans for our service last week. Uh, but we want to see what God says about authorities in His Word as we read this through the first seven verses of Romans chapter 13. I think we're going to finish the Romans before the end of this year, so before Christmas time, so that's my goal. Let's uh, look at this. I'm reading from the NIV version. It says, verse 1, everyone, say everyone, <laughs> everyone must submit himself to governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established, and authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but those who do wrong. 
Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and he will commend you. For he is God's servant to do, uh, to do you good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword for nothing. He is God's servant and agent of wrath to bring the punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but because of conscience. This is also why you must pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give everyone what you owe him. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Let's stop there. God, we just ask you to give us uh, wisdom. Give us revelation, God. Even the things we don't always like to hear being said to us. Lord, about this subject matter, Father, we do need to understand what you have established and knowing how to properly and rightfully so obey and submit to authorities that you've placed over us, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, as we see today in this reading that we, we just went through, as we see what God says about authority figures in our lives, uh, and this opens up all kinds of questions, right? As to obeying authorities, when to obey them, or is there possibilities that we don't have to obey them and resist at times? So hopefully we get some answers to some of these questions. What is the answer to some of these questions? Because you see the bumper sticker maybe at times, question you know, authority, question all authority, um, you know, and, and all kinds of opinions of political leaders, governmental leaders, uh, law enforcement, civil leaders, everything. You know, how are we supposed to approach this, and biblically speaking as well? What does God say about it? Well, number one, as we read this in, in the passage in your notes, is that God requires submission to authority. He requires it. It's not in question. He said, you know, that we need to obey authorities. What is submission? And I want to try to explain this as best as I can. It doesn't mean that the word submission is, uh, we're submitting to is any way, you know, the person submitting is in any way inferior. Uh, to obey or to submit comes from the Greek word hypotasso. It means to be a subordinate or to literally arrange yourself under their authority. How many of you have ever served in the military? If you've ever served in the military, you know you don't really have a choice to submit to authority. You have to obey their authority, and they try to make sure you understand that, right? Um, but it's more, you know, there, there is an element to this even in the sense of militaristic, that we, uh, we arrange myself under authority and under authority figures, and it could be used to describe an army arranging themselves or coming under that commander. But also, it could be like a friendly volunteering, helping and aligning, um, aligning his strengths and purposes for the friend to help them. To It's the same thing as humility, coming under someone else and lifting them up. That's basically what you're doing. You're, you're humbling yourself 
and coming up under them and humbling yourself to lift them up in a sense. Um, the purpose uh, <clears throat> is to, you know, help them, to get something done, to, to help them succeed. Now, this word can also mean to take responsibility, to take up a responsibility. So this term submission has, has nothing to do with being a doormat. You know, it's not just being walked on. Um, that's not what this is talking about. Submission is not being a doormat, but it's voluntarily taking up the responsibility of adding your strength to another's purposes. So those purposes can become mutual in a, a partnership, if you will. And so then by doing this, we are empowering the plans that God has for us together as a people, not just as individuals, because God is always about uh, community. The church is always meant in the context of not individuals, even though we all are individuals, even though we're all gifted, we come together as one. And so there's unity in this and to be submitted. God always is about relationship and to be submitted and to volunteer your abilities, your strengths to help support someone else in their purposes and needs to be, uh, you know, it, be godlike. And so the spirit of submission is about love and it's about respect. Now, some of you are probably wondering, what about the person that is ungodly, selfish, abusive? How do we work out submission in that type of context? How do we do that? Now, the readings of Peter and Paul, both alike, they have a lot to say about this. Paul wrote this in Romans, but Peter also, we're going to look at here in a little bit, about being submitted to authorities. And one thing that we need to understand too, so God appoints the ungodly authorities and also the godly authorities. But we also have to understand that usually an authority represents the people in general. The appointment of an ungodly figure is because the people are ungodly. Does that make sense? The ones that would appoint them into that position, God allows it. I allow it because the people are not right with God. Whether, you know, and yes, there's been exceptions to that in the sense that, you know, there's been godly people and then this ungodly figure is still raised up in power. How it happens, I don't know. I don't understand it. God appoints unrighteous and righteous authorities for different purposes. Secondly is that God assigns or he appoints all authorities, just as I said. In verse 1, everyone must submit to authorities for all authority comes from God. And those positions of authority have been placed there by God. We need to obey what God has established. He's established this. He's put them in place. He is the author of authority. And all authority is essentially God appointed. Now that's really hard. That's confusing. I scratch my head at this too going, I don't understand God. No one can say they love and fear God whom they don't see if you don't obey the earthly authorities that you can see. So if you resist or you rebel against any authority, you are essentially uh, resisting and rebelling against what God has established and put in place. Now, are there any exceptions? Are there any exceptions to resisting authorities 
figures in your life. God commands all God commands submission to all authorities, even unjust, even unjust, even ungodly or cruel ones, uh, because you know that God has established even unjust authorities. You honor them in the fear of the Lord. Now, how? What are some biblical examples of this? Uh, one one comes to mind in Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was a cruel uh, dictatorship. Uh, ungodly authority, and God humbled him too in the sense that he was out eating grass with the cows for a while, um, and God humbled him eventually. Now, he was guilty of all kinds of atrocities, uh, killing people and such, but God had a purpose, and eventually it brought him around. Um, so there's some, been some ungodly authorities. Even Paul who was, you might consider, an ungodly authority. He was responsible for persecuting Christians, and God had other plans with Paul, right? He was a murderer. God had other plans with Moses. He was a murderer. You know, you might find that God has plans for people that weren't living a godly life that God turns them around, right? We have biblical examples of this. So, I don't understand it all. Uh, but when you are in the fear of the Lord, you don't judge by what you see or hear. The fear of the Lord judges according to righteous judgment. This enables you to look past just uh, personalities and see the authority that God has uh, designated. Now, this is hard. I'm not saying this is easy. We all need to honor God by honoring what he has established. And this is the true fear of the Lord, fear of the Lord. but are there any limits to that? Are there any, and maybe you can figure this out. I think there are. There are certain conditions, yes. We are to submit to one another unless it becomes destructive, morally and biblically wrong, or when authorities attempt to rule outside their own realm of authority. When they're operating in the sense that this is not godly, and in the sense that they're asking believers such as you and I to do things that are unbiblical. Um, if we are asked to do something unscriptural against our faith or abusive to ourselves or to others or it is illegal, we have clear grounds for saying no. And I cannot submit to that. As many Christians and church leaders had during the time of COVID, for example, the COVID shutdowns and such, that's most recent that we can all uh, understand. There were many things that raised red flags and things that were asked and told of us that were quite honestly violate, violating the laws of our own land, of this land. Uh, therefore, we must be wise in what we comply to unless it clearly violates our laws or is abusive to our Christian faith, values, and scripture. When they're telling people that you can't even worship God, uh, that's not going to be okay. <laughs> that's not going to ever be okay with me uh, with that. I do not believe most of the things the media tells us, and I believe there's an agenda behind that is not good and, quite honestly, full of lies. I'm not saying we should revolt. I'm not saying we should form militias. But I do have my concerns, and I'm being cautious by simply by the fact that I read history. How many of you like history? Anyone like history? 
I hope you do. I used to have a professor at Bible college who used to pound the pulpit. And he goes, you got to learn from history. Some of you that don't like history, your age, you don't like history. You don't want to pay attention to history. But if you don't learn from history, it's going to repeat itself. He kept saying that over and over. I don't know who originally said that. I can't remember who originally said that. But it will repeat itself. Are we seeing a repeat of history? I have my concerns. We have to read history. We have to understand it because it will always kind of revert. Satan never tries anything new. He just keeps playing the same record over and over and over throughout history because it works. People were ignorant. They don't pay attention to that. Uh, it will repeat itself. So if you don't believe that, um, if you don't, re then it's just ignorance. It's quite honestly foolishness. And I can honestly say, I will never, ever shut this church down again. It may require us to meet outside this building, but church doesn't shut down. Church never shuts down. At time, it may require us, require us to resist certain ungodly authorities and speak out. My ancestors, and probably many of yours, fought and died for our freedoms of religion and others in this country. And my hope is that our freedoms won't be quickly taken from us because we, naive, we were naive and ignored what is going on. Instead, we must be diligent, pray for wisdom, pray for those in authority, and pray for protection, and pray for our current leadership as well. As Christians, we should absolutely vote for people that uphold godly and biblical values. And we can't complain and not vote. And I, I'm not saying all candidates are Christians I'm not saying this is a Republican or Democrat or independent issue. I cannot, but there's certain things I cannot vote for, obviously, as a Bible-believing believer, Christian, uh, that do not support our freedoms of citizens, that, that are not pro-life. Especially in the last several years, we have been increasingly inundated with attacks on biblical values and standards that we perhaps grew up with or understood. You know, this is always going to be the way it's going to be. Not so much. There's an infiltration of people that are saying, you're not okay to, if you don't believe with what I'm believing. You're not okay if you don't agree with what is being said. Even by a minority that are being forced to say, you must agree with my standards and my beliefs which is not true. But there's many beliefs that are being related to God-given identity, genders, marriage, and families. What is hidden has now been revealed, and what used to be sinful and wrong is now celebrated. Especially people being coerced and sometimes forced to comply with these beliefs and practices. However, the last time I checked, at least in the USA, we are still a republic. And I am thankful that God has given us the freedoms that we have in this country. That it's a government of the people, by the people, 
and not a tyranny, not a communism, not a democracy or force against its own people. You know, people have shed their blood for this country. And, and yes, I am patriotic. I had a father that was in the military, and I, I'm wholeheartedly uh, patriotic in that way. We need to be wise in our submission, and, I'm not, and at the same time I know that we are all placed under authority. Look and follow the example of Jesus who humbled himself, himself by becoming a man who was obedient even to death, death on the cross. Every day in this world, Christians are martyred for their faith. And believe me, I, I love my country. I would die for it. But most of all, this place is not my eternal home. And I would die before ever being forced to renounce my faith in Christ or do something biblically ungodly. We are to be governed by more than just a democracy. My first government authority is a theocracy, not a democracy. Christ-centered, Jesus first. Christ-centered, God-centered theocracy. That is our first and foremost commitment to authorities. God, you're my main authority. I obey what you and your word leads me. This world, as we know it, will not remain forever. And I've read Revelation, and I know what is coming, but I don't have to like it. <laughs> I don't like it. I see it, I go, I don't like this, God. And I pray each day I can share Jesus with someone so hopefully they can turn their life over to Jesus too and be saved. We do not need to fear, like Paul wrote in Philippians, to live as Christ and to die as gain. You know what? This is not our eternal home. That doesn't mean I sit idle and let everything my, or my children and the belief systems be taken from us. It doesn't mean we have to sit by and be silent about everything. No. As Christians, we need to choose our battles, but some battles need to be fought. Following Jesus' example of submission, I need to always put the interests of others before mine, and for the most part, we don't have to look very far. It begins with the people you already know right now. It begins with people in your life. It could be your spouse, your children, your boss, your teachers, law enforcement, local leaders. We should submit and pray for them regularly, too. There may be some here today that watch or watching online that may cringe when you hear the word submission, but I would love to say it's much easier for you to listen than for me to talk about it because I want to make sure I do my best when it comes to submission to authorities. In fact, for most of us, we don't like this word submit because we think of submit as a dirty curse word. <laughs> That's because, that's because it's not been modeled well for us in our lives. In, in many circumstances, it hasn't. There's been abusive, ungodly leaders. Another passage I want to look at today is Colossians. If you want to turn to Colossians, this is, uh, Paul wrote this as well. Colossians chapter 3, uh, verses 17 through 25. And he says, rules for Christian households. So, I'm trying to give you some, some guidelines, some rules. It says in uh, verse 17, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, 
giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, submit to your husbands as fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it, not only when their eye is on you and to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work with Work at it with all your heart, working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So, and uh, verse 25, anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong, and there is no favoritism. So another passage on this very important subject of submission And uh, when you hear the word whatever in this, you know, it says, um, verse 17, and whatever you do, uh, when we hear the whatever part in our world today, when we most of us picture whatever, rolling our eyes and (laughs) does it whatever, you know, that's uh, turning out what is, you know, ignoring what is being said, whatever you mean, uh, whatever can mean you're not worth my time. Um, and hopefully that's not you guys listening today, but (laughs) even though submission is not a favorite subject matter, uh, whatever you do, we need to remember most of all, it is for the glory of God and not just to please man. And this has been, this has spoken to me many times. This scripture stood out to me, uh, at different times in my life when I worked different jobs. And these bosses I worked for were terrible. I mean, honestly, I wanted to, I wanted to deck them. You know, I, I wanted to take them out behind the barn. Uh, I wanted, you know, and God had to remind me, you're not just doing it for, for them, Greg. You're doing it as unto me. And I'm like, ah, another two by four across the head. You know, ah. God, why do you always do that? (laughs) Why do you always give me conviction about these things? Okay, Lord, maybe you're trying to teach me something in the midst of this. And I did learn. I learned some hard lessons. I learned how, God, you know what? There are times in my life I'm not going to work for the best people. I'm not going to be under the best leadership. But you know what? God can use ungodly and godly authorities in my life. And... uh, Paul wrote this letter to uh, the Colossians. Um, the whole letter in this is a, of Colossians is about the supremacy of Christ. Um, that's what Colossians is all about. And making him Lord of all, making him supreme in our lives and submitting to him. Uh, believe it or not, it also means submitting ourselves to uh, all authorities. Uh, and believe, you know, so... And it is one thing to submit to God, even when, uh, even if they're not real good at, you know, we're not real good at, and quite another thing to submit to each other. I would dare to say, more than not, we think of an act as if the other person maybe owes us something, you know.
until you can get that one going. Um, so, you know, for the most part, when we work our jobs, we're working for the paycheck. You know, I, I only do this because I'm getting paid to do it. I wouldn't do it any other way, you know, because it, get, uh, it pays me. Did you ever, you know, the difference between a volunteering position, I'm doing this because I like to do it, I want to do it, I want to help out, versus I'm only doing it because I need a job, I need to pay my bills. Um, and so there are times I've worked many jobs in my life that I did not like the job. I didn't like to work the, what I was doing, and I only did it for the paycheck. It's a whole lot different when you actually enjoy what you're doing. And, you know, maybe you're not even getting paid what you're worth, but I'm like, I would do it anyway. It's kind of like the ministry. <laughs> I mean, the ministry, I do it not because I get a paycheck. I honestly can say that. I promise you that. It's not just because I get a salary or, or I'm blessed. I never would say I'm not thankful uh, for having a salary. But at the same time, I would do it uh, because I, I know God called me to do it. And I love it, whether it, I got anything for it or not. And I, there's been times in my life that I did it for nothing. Um, and I would do it again in a heartbeat. So at least that, that's coming from me, and I want you to know that. I don't do it just because uh, I have a paycheck coming. Um, and I hope that's for you too, whatever God calls you to. Whatever God calls you to do, it's because, you know what, you do it with or without money. You know, often that's how parenting is, right? You do it not just because you get paid to be a mom or dad. It's because you do it because you love it. You love your kids. And, uh, and so I hope that's true for you. <laughs> right? What do they say the average wage of a mom should be now? Like 300000 a year or something like that. I think it's some, some crazy amount if they actually could get paid for what they do. Yeah. Dad's probably about couple hundred dollars or something like that. <laughs> but moms, you know, they're, they're way better. But, um, so, you know, it, it's important for us to know that there's just different uh, ways that God appoints authority in our life. And that's why I wanted you to see that in Colossians, that there's a structure. God gives us structure in our life. Biblically speaking, there's structures for marriages, structure for, for families, structure for the workplace, uh, and all kinds of things. God appoints. He puts in and he assigns different authorities in our life, different levels. And that's where I want to get to this next point is that God distributes all authority. All authority is given structure and order or apportionment because it is modeled by God himself. Do you know that God himself, in, the, in reference to the Trinity, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one? They are together the three persons of the Godhead. It's a confusing thing for a lot of us. But in his order of his Trinity and his kingdom authority, there is structure with God. You know that there's actually angelic authorities there's the archangels, there's the cherubim, there's the seraphim. There is a structure to the armies of God. Do you know that in the same way in the demonic world, there are structures to Satan being the head of the demonic forces, and there are then, 
you know, demons and principalities, powers of darkness. There is a structure even in the demonic. In much of our world, whether you like it or not, there's always going to be a structure. And even in the spirit world, in God's world, there is structure. And he gives structure to families. He gives structure to husbands, to wives, to children. Submission comes across as such a negative word because the world has distorted its meaning. Whether we like it or not, God has placed structure of the social order and authority in our lives. If you want a good reference book to authority, uh, this was written 20, about 21, 22 years ago, uh, called Undercover, so I stole the name uh, for my title sermon today. But <laughs> Undercover by John Brevere uh, is still in print. You can uh, read this. And he goes into great detail what I'm doing in a short period of time. But he goes into different chapters of this undercover to know. And you know what? We've done, uh, we did a home group once. We, we went through this. There's study guides. You can buy the whole video series and, and stuff. And we went through it. And man, I think the first couple times we did our lesson and watched the video, we were all on our knees repenting for how we were wrong how we had been even coarse joking, you know, and a lot of, th- you know, a lot of our, the ways that we constantly talk, constantly negative, negative, negative. And I'm like, okay, God, I, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. So a lot of these things, you know, we, I had to uh, learn, but I also have to constantly relearn. I have to remember that. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are in perfect unity, relationship, equality, roles, authority, and submission. They are the three persons of the Trinity. And God, or Jesus himself, submitted himself to the Father as he became obedient by becoming a human being. We're going to celebrate that in a couple months. You know, the whole subject matter of Jesus coming to earth by being born of a virgin, by then coming under, subject under, Though he was, and this doesn't make sense, he was fully man, but he was fully God. Read Romans or Philippians chapter 2 about that. And so God designed the social order for the family and marriage to be uh, between one man and one woman. And to then have children. And God is one. Husbands and wives become one and then have children. And there is structure, there is order. That's because Satan hates, he hates the structure God has established. He hates it. Uh, And so he does everything possible in his power to constantly destroy that. To everything God has created, he counterfeits. Satan can never create anything. He is not a creator, he's a counterfeiter. So he lies, he changes, he distorts, uh, he redefines And so he hates the structure of the family and does everything he can to destroy it or to redefine that. And so the question, and to question our identity in which many times Satan tries, you know, he succeeds in that. Whenever you read or try to understand Scripture, always look at the context. (laughs) That's just a simple... um, thing you need to do. The audience in which Paul wrote to the Colossian church was, was mostly uh, Gentile believers who had no former background on how to live godly lives. They had no Bible. They had no reference point 
to see what it is to be Christians and how to live a godly life. Paul was writing to teach them how to live godly lives, how to be godly people. Uh, and today it's not much different. We live in a society that is biblically illiterate. They don't know what the Bible says, or they don't want to believe what the Bible says, even in many churches. And so there is very little biblical worldview. Like Colossae, they had no clue how to be, you might say, good Christians. And so it was all brand new stuff, and that's what this first church century church uh, was like, not much different than our present day. Now, having said all that, let's look at some of these authority structures that God established. First, submission in marriage. It says, uh, and in parenting. Colossians 3, verses 18 and 19, which we, we just read. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Again, in the understanding of the word submission, hypotasso, which I mentioned, it is yielding, it is deferring to one another. Think of one another as husbands and wives, of complimenting each other, of putting the other first above yourself. And that's really what that is about, deferring to one another, putting yourself under or behind or letting the other go ahead of you. And in the English word, it's translated submit. To yield to the authority or the will. Let's do it your way. Um, the opposite would be to resist or defy. Uh, no, I'm going to do it my way. The only time this doesn't ever come into play is when you ask your wife, what do you want for dinner? Because she goes, I don't know, what do you want? And then it's back and forth. What do you want? What do you want? That's not deferring. That's just not making decisions. I think that's really what it comes down to. Someone's got to decide what we're having for dinner, right? But sometimes, Has that ever happened in anyone else's house besides mine? Okay. All right. Now, even though this word submission is, is difficult, it doesn't mean that you shut up and do what you're told. That's not what this is referring to. It's not domineering or lording over, but unfortunately, there are many abusive people, abusive men, domineering, but even more so, I think there are many uh, men that are passive and do nothing and do not lead their family well. And that is truly the essence of our society breakdown and decay in our country, is because men have never completely taken their full responsibility as God has established and put them in, in that place of Ephesians chapter 5. You know, it says, submit to one another in love. Husbands, love your wife. You know, and he's talking about that. And as Christ loved his church, if the men would love God and put him number one in their lives, as he should, he would know what the Bible says, what God established, and what he has meant for the men to take their leadership role in their families and be a God-honoring, God-submitting person, that we would see that played out in society. So, what we see often is these authoritative or domineering men getting the most attention. But this passage of submission is not submission to, or to domineering or to passive leadership. 
A wife's submission should never be forced on her husband by a demanding husband. Rather, it is meant to be submissive to a husband that leads it by loving well. However, it does not mean that a couple will always understand each other or agree with one another on everything, like I said about dinner. In fact, I still don't know Jill very well. We've been married for 35 plus 38 years we've been friends. Um, I don't know her. She doesn't know me very well either. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, we're still figuring each other out, all right? Yes, I know Jill very well, but at the same time, I will never understand her completely, and she won't understand me completely. I think we're, we're not going to have a fight about this later, are we? <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I hope not. Uh, but God has placed us together. Absolutely. I wouldn't want to live life without her. And as we see, God has placed structure for the family um, and leadership on the family solely. And I will honestly say that. And I know there's many single parents out there, and I bless you and I honor you as well. But God has placed the, 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 the leadership role or the spiritual leader role on the husband and the father of the family. But when that doesn't happen, obviously God has the wife, the mom, take that role. And that is why in our fatherless society we see so much issues in our world today. That doesn't mean that the wife has no say or no part in leading as it should always be mutual respect for one another. Make that clear. Marriages, by and large, are a mess in our world today, and many of them are falling apart or have been broken up. This affects nearly every one of us in terms of someone you know and love or maybe yourself and walking through it with others or have gone, gone through marital difficulties or divorce, as well as many in our society have no desire to ever marry because of the uh, the, what has been represented to them, of what they've witnessed in their own families. And, you know, I don't want to have anything to do with uh, being married. Um, and so most people, you know, most young people today are living together. Um, you know, we a lot of us have been affected in one way or another by bad relationships. And I don't ever want to... Uh, experience any of those painful problems, and I'm sure you don't either. But, uh, however, I think there are principles that we can apply through this message to all of us, that we need to understand this. I believe God can heal. He can restore people uh, and restore broken marriages and relationships. He can restore, and if you are currently having problems or relationship issues and struggles right now, I encourage you not to wait until it's too late to get help. Submit yourself um, to authorities to find a counselor, find you know whether I or another pastor can help you. A godly counsel, that is, uh, because you know what I always say is that if you want to do whatever you want to do, you will always find a support group somewhere. There's a support group for every sin in this world. You know, if you look hard enough and go, I want someone to tickle my ears, you will find them to tickle your ears. They guarantee it. But if you want to submit to one that is actually basing it on the Bible, 
that's a little different. Um, but you also need to know that you're not alone. You're not the only one going through these issues. And there are people that do legitimately want to help you if you will let them. So in the creation story in Genesis, going back into Genesis, at the end of the day, God looked at what he had made, and he said, it is good, it is good, it is good. There's one thing he said that was not good. What is the only thing God said was not good? Yes, <laughs> because he knew that if he left man by himself, he was a disaster. <laughs> so... Um, what broke all the string of goods is that God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a, a companion, a suitable companion for him who corresponds to him. Uh, how is it not good? Adam was living in paradise. He enjoyed face-to-face -face relationship with God, with the animals. He had sole control of the remote. He could walk around naked and not have to pick up his clothes. He could eat whatever he wanted and not get fat. How could that not be good? Something, or rather something, was missing. Uh, there was no one, you know, there was no one like Adam. No one corresponded to him. And here's the amazing thing. Adam was completely uh, fulfilled by, uh, only by his vertical relationship with God as it was good. But he also needed a horizontal relationship with someone like him. This weekend starts uh, deer and elk hunting, gun hunting season, and there are many hunter widows out there. If God designed Adam to only be out in the garden or the woods by himself with all the animals, he would have created. He would not have created woman. But he said it was not good for a man to be a hunter for the rest of his life by himself. Of course, Adam didn't kill anything, but um, Adam needed someone more than just an animal out in the woods. Does that make sense? He needed a helper. He needed a companion and a friend. And when Adam sees Eve for the first time, what does he say? Whoa, man. You haven't heard that one? Come on. <laughs> oh. But he said, at last, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. He could see the beauty that God had created. And he goes, you know what? I needed someone else. Very similarly, Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 5 about, Rome, about marriage, as I mentioned, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Therefore, we do it out of reverence for Christ. In other words, our relationship with God is the driving motivation behind our relationship with others. I am going to defer to you because I love God first. I'm going to defer to him. I'm going to, uh, because I love God, I'm going to treat you with respect out of reverence for Christ. Because I love Jesus, I will treat people differently. And it's impossible to truly love God and not love people. It works hand in hand. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter, 13 verse 5, it says, love does not insist on its own way. That's one of them. It doesn't doesn't insist on its own way. When we submit to one another, we don't insist on our own way. We defer. We yield to the other person. Let's do it your way, not just my way. Submission is an expression of this unselfish love that we show to one another, yielding to another. And the reason it is so difficult is because it goes to the grain of our, our selfishness. We are selfish people. 
I don't like other people telling me what to do, and I want to be in charge. I want to make my own decisions, call my shots, and be the master of my own fate, the captain of my own ship. Anyone with me? I have come to believe that when a husband truly loves his wife as Christ loves the church and gave himself up for her, there is nothing that a wife won't do to respect her husband. That doesn't mean she doesn't have an opinion. She respects because she knows that you're putting Christ first. The way God designed both male and female to be, it's, it's when we don't find ourselves fighting against each other that's, that's the way it works. Paul writes, don't be harsh. Don't be ever demanding of respect. Respect me. It will never work that way. It doesn't work that way. But it will happen when you lead in love, in care, and in honor, and you're sensitive with your wife. Paul also writes about parenting. The Bible is full of dysfunctional and broken people, but thank God It's not just a narrative of broken people, but one of redemption, of healing, of salvation, which lets us know that we, as messed up as we are, there is hope. There's hope for all of us. Parenting is for the long haul. When Joe and I first started having children, we wanted to do it right. We took classes on parenting, and we discovered it wasn't so much about teaching children to obey as much as it was teaching parents how to be parents, because we were clueless. We had to learn to care for them, to teach them, to protect them, to properly discipline them. We also learned that the best parents in the world are the ones without kids. Because we were that person, one time we're going, oh, we're never going to do that with our kids. And then you have kids and you're going, "Eh, whatever, yeah. One of the most amazing things in this world is that babies often go home to parents with no owner's manual. Most of us learn the hard way, and as parents, we still mess up, but thank God we still love each other as a family. Paul wrote in, in uh, the par- Colossians 3, 20 and 21, parents or children obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter or exasperate your children, or they will become discouraged how many of you have quoted the scripture to your children when they were disobeying? Children, obey your parents, that you may live long on the earth. <laughs> I think we probably said that a few times. Um, I'm sure they didn't like that either, but children, if you submit and obey your parents, it will go well with you. Ephesians chapter 6, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise so that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. That is true if we, we obey our parents. It's a command that comes with a promise so that you may live long and prosper. I'm not, I'm not a Vulcan, sorry, I can't do it. Um, and it pleases the Lord, so there, there's blessing when we learn to come under that authority as children and submit to our parents because our whole life will be under some form of authority and submission must begin in the early stages of life. Fathers, do not embitter or exasperate or provoke your children. Don't discourage them. Why does it say in English fathers? Probably because most of, uh, most, 
moms get this. <laughs> Their maternal instinct is to nurture and care and to love. And, but many fathers don't understand this. They need to know how to love. And I'm not saying that men need to be more feminine, but men do need to learn how to lead with love probably more than they do with, you know, instruction. Teaching and submission to children is never done effectively without loving them above all else. Isn't that true? My kids were little, and we went through difficult teenage years that were not always pleasant. I loved my kids and children even when they were disobedient, but I was not the perfect father, perfect parent either, and at times I reacted in anger. My kids, when my kids were little, many times of their disobedience never came at a convenient time. I don't know why. Why don't they have, why don't they misbehave in the groceries? Why do they have to always misbehave in the most inappropriate times? In the grocery store, at church, or at friends' or family's houses, you know, like, they were perfect yesterday, I promise. They were little angels yesterday, and now they're little demons. But I had to not, I had to be careful not to react in anger, right? But I didn't always succeed because I was tired or inconvenienced by their irritating behaviors. <laughs> but sometimes children have bad days and have strong wills like we all do. Or they're reacting because their parents spend so little time with them. And sometimes negative attention is better than no attention at all. Proverbs 22 verse 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. So lead and learn, and learn how to be better parents. If you want to know what good parents look like, find a parent that maybe, or a grandparent that succeeded and learn from them. Ask them questions. How do you do this? Lead and train them in the way they should go, according to God's word mostly, so that it may, when they're old, they will not depart from it. Even if they have rebellious years, they will go, you know what? You were right, Mom. You are right, Dad. I'm still waiting for that. <laughs> no, no, there's times, there's still times they come and say, thank you, thank you, Mom, thank you, Dad. And you go, yeah, we know. But, but uh, then lastly, in, in Colossians 3.22, Paul wrote about slaves and masters. Although we are not literally slaves, most of us have authorities, bosses, etc. We need to obey and we need to submit to authorities so I've, if I've covered this difficult passage of submission, um, I hope there are some things that you can, it just speaks to you this morning. I hope God's Word can speak to all of us through this message about this important subject matter, but also knowing that God has appointed all authorities so that it may go well with us. Ultimately, we all need Jesus to be supreme in each of our lives. If you've never given Jesus the supremacy of your life and humbled yourself under his authority, you can do that right now too. That's what we all need, first and foremost, that God's first. God has to come first. I, I invite you to accept his love, his perfect love, because there is no fear in God's perfect love. It's also his kindness, it says in Romans chapter 2, that leads us to repentance. God doesn't give you judgment and condemnation. He doesn't give you fear. He just calls you out. Just like that song was saying, he's coming after you. He, he's like, 
The Father God is pursuing you. He loves you and wants you to come under his leadership. And that's the first and foremost we need to do. He calls each of us by name to accept his grace, his forgiveness, if we will simply, first of all, believe and call on the name of the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. And he will cleanse you from all of your sin and begin to heal you also of all your hurts, your habits, and your hang-ups. Let's just close in prayer with that. God, we thank you. Thank you, Lord, for this this important reminder to us about authority figures in our life, it's not something that is easy to hear or to talk about. But God, most of all, it starts with you. And Lord, I just ask that if there's anyone here today that is unsure where they stand with you, God, it's just a, a, a decision away, a prayer away, if you will. Say, yes, Lord, I will follow you. I commit my life to be under you, Lord. Thank you for dying for my sin. I couldn't do it myself. I couldn't, I couldn't even come close to being a good enough person to save myself. Thank you that you did that for us. You became obedient. You humbled yourself as a man. You became obedient unto death. You came under authorities, ungodly authorities that were, to die for something that you did not deserve. Rather, we deserved it. We deserve all the punishment, but you took the punishment upon yourself. You became sin for me so that I might become the righteousness of God. And all you simply ask of me is I will put my faith in that. I will believe in that. I will accept your grace and your forgiveness, and you will save me. Thank you, Lord. It is coming under you, hypotasso, coming under you, Lord, most of all, and lifting you up. Will you be lifted up in my life? Will you reign supreme? Will you live in the throne of my life? And Lord, when I do that, you will change me. You will save me, but I will be able to live in freedom. I'm a slave to whatever has mastery over me. And I don't want to be a slave to sin anymore. I want to be a servant of righteousness to live for you the rest of my life, God. I thank you for that. May we all... Be examples of the biblical authority. May we all be examples of what it is to live as, as believers and how to be under the authority that you place so that we may show the people that don't know that. In a world of lawlessness, in a world of ungodly leadership, we can show an example of what it looks like, how to live under the authority that you placed and be obedient to that because that's what you will bless. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey guys, Billy here. I'm the media director here at Polson Foursquare, and I'm glad that you guys could join us this morning. If you guys are looking for more information, you guys can go to polsonfoursquare.org. And if you guys enjoyed the sermon, consider subscribing or sharing it with a friend. Thanks for joining us this morning, and we hope that you have a blessed week.